Do you ever feel all alone out there running your landscape, hardscape, or outdoor living business? Struggling in silence to grow and scale profitably with fewer employees? Wishing there was a better way to make money in this industry without all the insanely long hours and ridiculously hard work? You're not alone. This is your host, Joshua Gillow. Each week, our tribe comes together to empower business owners to add more profitable services by teaching how to successfully hire and manage subcontractors. Join my inner circle mastermind. Gentlemen, it's time to start winning. For more information, email me, hello at yes.express. Again, it's hello at yes.express. Now, let's get on with the show. He started trimming houses, and that and I did that in the summer. I worked with my father. He never gave me a dime, which is the another blessing I had because uh, I had to work for anything I wanted, and I wanted a lot of things. I wanted a cell phone you know, at 14 years old. I wanted a car at 16. And he's like, Mike, you can have anything you want. Just put your pants on and go to work and you can get it. Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, I hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we're passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow, and through my 25 years of dirt under the nails experience, I look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces Podcast. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Outer Spaces Podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow. And this week, we're going to speak to Mike Menino. He is a, uh, a real estate entrepreneur, started out with nothing and grew his business up to over 80 flips that he's done so far. And I'm bringing him on the show, not because I want him to talk about real estate and trying to make it all stuffy and crazy and, and sound like uh, you, know, you need to go to school for it. I wanted to bring him on because he has a way of explaining how to get into this thing we call real estate, how to create legacy for your family, how to get what we love to call mailbox money, which means each month you're getting checks in the mail and you didn't have to go out and slave labor for them. Real estate is such a perfect vehicle for that. So if you own a business, if you're a landscaper, hardscaper, outdoor living professional, and you think, you know what, I'm getting sick of going project to project, getting some money, investing it, taking it home, and then next thing you know, I have nothing to show for it. I'm, I'm just buying stuff, paying bills, and I feel like I'm in this endless cycle called the rat race. Uh, this episode is for you. This is going to shed some light on how you can finally get out of that rat race, how you can get into investing even just a little bit. Uh, each month or each year into a fund where you can start getting enough money together to start buying assets, start buying, um, you know, real estate in this case in order to have a cash flow. And there's so many benefits to real estate. We unpack that in this podcast. And Mike talks about some really cool deals that he did that were very creative, that he had very little to no money out of his pocket. So if that sounds like something that excites you and you'd love to leave a legacy for your family and help build wealth long-term where you can start getting money in the, in the mailbox, it'll start paying your bills for you. Keep listening. Hey, Mike, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, I know you're going to be dropping gold here. I was looking at your bio and you've done some incredible stuff. I know a lot of our listeners out there are trying to figure this whole business thing out and think, how am I going to save the future? How am I going to build a legacy? All this stuff is so confusing. I feel like I need a PhD just to figure out this whole real estate thing. And I thought the same thing at one time. But you know what? The crazy part is that it doesn't have to be that way. And that's why I have you on the show today. I'd love for you to unpack for us how the hell do we get started on a journey where we get 
mailbox money? <laughs> How do we get money to pop up each month in our mailbox and we didn't have to work for it? That's what I'd like to know from you. And I know it takes work to start that, but I'd love to hear your story, how you got into it and then guide us on, on how we can make that happen for ourselves. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. And I, yeah, happy to uh, unpack that journey. Um, and if you don't mind, if I kind of take a step back and talk about mindset for a second, cause I Please. think that is extremely important. I know it's kind of like fluffy and like a oh, mindset, like this is what this guy leads with, but really it's what separates you from Jeff Bezos is the mm -hmm. mindset, the thing in between years. Right. Um, so at 13 years old, I had a life, uh, transforming, uh, disease called Crohn's disease. I was diagnosed with, which is kind of like an ulcer in your stomach where, um, it hurt to eat. Um, I lost a lot of weight because the, it was, a, I was a more pain eating than not eating. Right. Hmm. Um, I was 13 years old when I was diagnosed with this and I was taking 16 pills a day and then I had to go on steroids, which makes you eat a ton. I was like, and then I was, I gained like 35 pounds and I'm a small guy at, you know, in seventh grade that didn't look good on me. Mm. I look like Pillsbury Doughboy, right? You know? Wow. Um, and, uh, and that was the biggest blessing in my life was having that experience because I realized that life is short and it's valuable and um, it can be taken away from you at any moment. Um, because at 13 years old, you know, you could like break your leg and then go run a marathon the next week. You know, you're like Wolverine, you can instantly heal. Um, and um, through God, positive mindset and uh, eating right and exercising at 16 years old. I, I got off all the medications, haven't been to the doctors, now it's been 16 years um, and I am healthy and I'm very blessed to be sitting in front of you today for that. Um, so after having that experience, I realized like, okay, you know, we don't have a lot of time here and whatever you want in life, you you know, you have to go work for it because, um, you know, what else are you gonna do? Sit on your couch all day, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, how I got started, uh, I, you know, humble beginnings. Um, my father's a contractor. Uh, he started trimming houses and that, and I did that in the summer. I worked with my father. He never gave me a dime, which is the, another blessing I had, uh, cause I had to work for anything I wanted. And I wanted a lot of things. I wanted mm -hmm. a cell phone, you know, at 14 years old, I wanted a car at 16 mm -hmm. and he's like, Mike, you can have anything you want. Just put your pants on and go to work and you can get it. You know, that was, that was the saying growing up. That. So, um, it's funny you that know, you have that story with... because that was very similar to mine as well, where my brother and I grew up in a garden center, a family owned business, and we never got paid a penny for, you know, first 15 years of our lives with 18 years old. So we started around five. So yeah, actually 13 years. We never got paid. That was not it. There was wow. plenty of work to be done and we worked six, seven days a week and we just did it because that's what needed to be done. Right. And then to your father's point, like that builds a work ethic, doesn't it? Do you feel like that really helped you and got you set? hundred percent, hundred percent. And yeah. I'm sorry you didn't get paid, paid. He, he was nice enough to pay me like $20 a day, you know, when I was like a teenager. <laughs> I'm not sorry. And then... <laughs> taught me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but so, you know, I had that experience like growing up in construction, which was great, right? Working with yeah. my hands and my father, you know, he's like, I don't want you to work with your hands though. Right. I don't want you to be like me. I want you to work with your brain. And, um, but anything I wanted, I had to work for. So, mm -hmm. you know, 16, as soon as I turned 16, I, I bought a car from all the life savings. I, you know, I bought a $4,000 car with no horn and no AC, um, worked at McDonald's. Um, I was going to school 35 hours a week and then, you know, working at McDonald's 20 hours a week, the legal 
limit you can at you know underage. Um, and I realized working at McDonald's like like the rat race because I'm working 20 hours a week making six dollars and 55 cents an hour and I'm broke like I have my car my insurance gas cell phone and girlfriend and after all that I'm like I have no money so (laughs) I realized I was like there's no possible way I could do this even if I was working 40 hours a week pay rent health insurance live like in a nice area have a decent car that actually works so I realized like, okay, I need to work, I need to do whatever it takes to become successful because living like this, and it was even bad, I was living at, with you know mom and dad at the time, it wasn't even bad, but I was like, living like this is, is not gonna be okay with me. Um, so real quick, I, I, I went from busing, I went from McDonald's, worked there for a year, Bussing tables and 18, I started waiting tables. I saved up $14,500 at 19 years old in 20, uh, 2012. Um, I bought a foreclosed house for $67,500. And uh, it, I got a beautiful loan called a FHA loan. Uh, I say it's beautiful because I only had to put 3.5% down. This loan is typically for first time home buyers. Yeah. And um, Put three and a half percent down, which was like seven thousand five hundred bucks. The most amount of money I've ever seen in my whole entire life, like at one time, because I'm putting away like hundred bucks here, two hundred bucks here, and I wrote a check for seven thousand five hundred dollars. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm making the worst decision of my life, right? Like Mm -hmm. uh, buying this house. And uh, I uh, I I house hacked before what I knew it was. And if you're listening to this and you're a young person or you have young kids, I highly, highly recommend this. Um, so what house hacking is, is I, I bought a house and I rented out the other two bedrooms to people who were uh, waiting tables with me. So it was a three bedroom house. Mm-hmm. The mortgage was $600 a month at the time. Each bedroom I rented out for $300 a month. So if you do the math, like 300 plus 300, 600 is rent coming in and 300 is the mortgage. So. I am now 19 years old, going to community college, waiting tables, and I have shelter, and I'm not even paying for rent or my mortgage. I have people paying uh, on uh, my mortgage for me, Um, and that was awesome. Um, So I fixed up the house. It was a foreclosure. Three or two and a half years later, I sold it in 2015 for $147,000, and I bought it for 67. So I was like 21 years old with a car that doesn't work and a $65,000 check, right? I was like, oh, like life-changing amount of money. <laughs> I love that, dude. I love it. And you know what I love about that story is the fact that you just became resourceful. And you started thinking about how can I do this instead of, you know, all looking at all the struggles that could happen possibly or the fact you don't know what you're doing. Like you took it a risk and you did it. Now, can you talk a little bit more about a foreclosure, how you find them, what they are, and why that vehicle instead of other ways of finding you know, a real estate deal? So it's funny now. So this was you know, back 2012, we're coming out of a recession. I'm from Michigan and this is where this house was. Uh, so Michigan got hit really hard. Um, mm-hmm. And I bought a foreclosure because that's all I knew at the time. Uh, what to look for you know i was just looking for something i could afford i don't even know i think i could afford seventy five thousand bucks so anything under seventy five thousand dollars i was gonna buy right um so now though we don't our business we've 
bought fix and flipped 80 houses at this point very mm -hmm. blessed and probably only three or four we've bought from a foreclosure or the mls actually all the other properties that we buy are from direct to seller so we reach out to the seller um through mail calling texting uh whatever it is and reach out to them before an agent comes in or another investor comes in or they lose it to foreclosure so we try to come in we help um so they can avoid like all the fees or um you know losing it that's great that's really nice and and uh, so for my listeners out there that are thinking, you know, like, okay, I want to invest in something. I keep hearing I'm supposed to put my money into something for some of that mailbox money. Everyone wants cash flow and all that, where a lot of our businesses, they may do that seasonally. Uh, but if you don't keep closing new projects, uh, you don't keep bringing cash in. So, you know, with this model, having that reoccurring cash flow from an asset like real estate is so, so important. There are other you know vehicles out there, but I'd, I'd argue to say that real estate's one of the best because of all the benefits that the government has built into that asset, meaning that you get you know uh, depreciation, you get long-term appreciation, and you get tax advantages, you get like all of it, plus possible cash flow, depending on how you manage it, right? So it's so good. So I'd love to ask you, why did you eye up real estate and go to a foreclosure first when you had you know this fourteen thousand dollars in your account, what drove you in that direction? What were you told by somebody that that you said, "All right, real estate's what I'm going to do," versus going and buying some stocks or something? Yeah, um, well, I wanted to move out of home with mom and dad <laughs> out, of, <laughs> out of their house, right? Uh, so I was like, I need a place to live, and I always look at things like how I um, and I, I and so I'm going to answer your question, but I always look at how I can get something for free. Uh, how I can get my cars for free. My, I bought a, and I'm not bragging at all, it's a used Maserati Ghibli a couple mm -hmm. years ago and the payment was $667 and my four unit apartment building paid for that. So mm -hmm. it's really cool, like I bought this apartment building, we actually paid for it in cash, uh, we bought it for like 40,000 um, bucks, fixed it up, put 35,000 into it. Our rents were, gosh, like seven fifty eight hundred dollars uh, at the time and um, it paid for my car. So it was like really cool, like, instead of like going out and buy the car, then you have to work for it, go out and buy something that will pay for your car, if that makes yeah. sense. Like I always try to look for how I can get free things in life, cars, housing, mm -hmm. uh, travel, you know, like I always try to get free stuff. Dude, I, I love that. I think Kiyosaki talked about that, didn't he? And Rich Dad, Poor Dad, mm -hmm. he said, if you wanna go out and buy a boat, don't go out and spend your hard money buying a boat, buy an asset, Maybe it's, you know, real estate. And if it's $500 a month for that boat or whatever, find real estate that'll put off at least $500 a month in cash flow, and then go get your boat. So it just takes a little bit longer. But then when you're done, that asset is paying for your liability, the boat, right? Your doodad, as he would call them, right? And, so. and as long as you hold the asset forever, because yeah. the great thing is like, you know, five years, the car gets old, the boat gets old, you want a new one? All right, cool. Sell it. And guess what? Your cash flow is still there to pay for the new one. Yeah. So you can like always have a new boat, new car, whatever it is. And yeah, I've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad three times. I highly recommend if you're yeah. listening to this, that's an amazing book. Um, just breaks down, you know, assets and liabilities and just very simple terms and very good storytelling inside the book. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Robert breaks it down into such simple terms. And then in his infinite wisdom, he creates a game called cash flow. And it's so much better than Monopoly. And we actually bought it years ago. And, uh, the, you know, family and I would like to play that game. And it's fun when you play with friends because everyone has a different strategy. And all of a sudden, you know, we have friends. Uh, one friend is an attorney and he came in and he was playing with his wife. And then she couldn't, I think it went out, she couldn't afford the property because she didn't have enough cash in the game. So he says, I'll go 50-50 on that deal with you. And I was like, holy crap, we've never done that as a family before. Like, why wouldn't that work? That's how I've got plenty of business partners that are 50-50. You throw in half your cash and then you, you get to split the cash flow and split the expenses. And it just starts opening your mind up when you can game uh, gamify things like this. So he has, if, if you're out there and you don't know much about real estate and you want to start learning, get the game cash flow. Uh, it is, you can get on Amazon and you can start playing with your family and it's so much better than Monopoly because you can actually use what you're learning there. It's very, you know, uh, it's very connectable to life. Uh, have you ever played that game? You know, I haven't and I need to. I, it was funny, growing up, I played Monopoly like, me and my best friend at growing up, which I mean, probably like three times a day, we were just like for like a whole summer just crazy with it and I loved oh. it. Um, and don't let me forget, uh, I want to share this with your listeners, how I bought an 11 unit apartment building with no money, because um, it kind of referenced what you said. So we can talk about something okay. else and come back to it. Just don't let me forget, because I think that'll be very valuable. Perfect. Now I'm going to write that down here as a little note. So yeah, so I mean, when it comes to this, what often happens in business, and this is how I started out, you know, as going from project to project, trying to build a company, and then you would end up having cash coming in the company and then winter would come and the money would go out and then tax man would come and take all his pound of flesh. The next thing you know, it's another year. It's like you're starting a business all over. And at the end of at least 10 years, I didn't have really anything to show for it. Had a bunch of trucks that were getting beat and becoming more and more, uh, well, actually less and less value in each one of them all the time. And, you know, I'm like, you know what? I'm in my 30s now. I don't want to be doing this forever. Body's starting to get beat up. You're just tired of being exhausted all the time and, and, frustrated or angry with things and the weather, all this stuff going on. So when the opportunity came up to start doing something about that and saying, okay, how do we do this where when I'm sleeping, there's still money coming in. When I went to bed and when I wake up, I'm wealthier when I wake up than when I went to bed. How do we do that? Kiyosaki talks about that. I think Warren Buffett talks about that as well. The idea where Man, if it, you need to be making money when you're sleeping. And if you can't say you are as a listener, then it means that it's time to, to start thinking about how you can. And that's why I wanted Mike to come on the podcast because it doesn't have to be super complex. You don't need the PhD, like I mentioned earlier, to be able to get into this. He needed a place to stay. He happened to have bedrooms and he said, I'm going to be resourceful. If I can get 300 a bed out of this place with a couple of people that I like, that's awesome. They're going to pay for my mortgage. And this is the kind of thinking you can do that with a four unit of the building as well, right? You can do it where you're like, Hey, we're going to buy a four unit building. I'm going to live in one unit. So you have your privacy and then you rent the other three out and that takes care of your cut. You know, covers your nut. And you're like, okay, great. Then you live in it for a year and you can do it again next year again. And then you can take that four unit. There's, there's all these laws that you can get into, uh, into the minutia where there's, there's benefits to being able to do this and to house hack. So it's a great way to start. I love how you had a problem. That's why you went into it and figured it out along the way. But uh, so what are some of the things you learned along that journey that could help people starting out? Yeah, so I like what you're saying with um, like, you know, money comes in money. Like, you know, you're going to have seasons like in your business is very seasonal. Mm -hmm. um, there's going to be times in business like right now, you know, real estate slowing down. And, you know, in 2020 in Michigan. So uh, this was another thing why I found it extremely important to, to get cash flow while you're not working. So 
I have a very successful fix and flip business, you know, spits off hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for my family and I, it's, it's amazing. Uh, in 2020, March, COVID happened, the world shut down, Michigan got locked down really hard like California. It was illegal mm. to go look at real estate for 45 days. Mm. It was illegal for my contractors to work on the properties for 45 days or the cops get called, ask me how I know, because the neighbors <laughs> call. And, uh, and then they tell me, no, just leave, whatever. But so in that 45 day period, I lost $18,000 holding 10 or 11 houses we had at the time because they're sitting there with, I'm paying the mortgage, I'm paying the utility bills, I'm paying, you know, all, all, all the overhead that comes along with it. Um, so I was like, you know, I need something um, that works for me when I'm not working like you referenced. And yep. <laughs> something else is kind of funny. I actually talked to my tax account today, we're finishing up my taxes and I'm actually getting a refund. That's how beautiful real estate is. Um, there's something called depreciation. So last year I bought um, a 16 unit apartment building. I was able to depreciate $75,000 off of the property um, and which offset my taxes. So what that means to the listener, like if I made $75,000 in my flipping business, and then I wrote off $75,000 in depreciation, I sh show $0 in, ta in income, which means I don't pay any taxes, right? That's right. Um, so that's great. That's beautiful. And then two is the uh, cash flow, like we talked about, like something monthly going up. Uh, it, what's beautiful about real estate, it's like it's a built in wealth builder. You know, it's like, especially with the government printing money like it is now, yep. it, it it's only getting more expensive to live. It's funny, I was in a restaurant uh, here in South Carolina and it was like built in 1902. I was like, wow, 1902, I'm looking at the trim work. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I was like, how much was it back then in 1902, 120 years ago, was it for rent? And I Google it, the average two to three bedroom house for rent was three to four dollars per month <laughs> three to four dollars per month that house today is going for fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars per month right yeah. i mean how crazy is that is. so if you just buy it and you wait i mean you'll just be taken care of from these this these properties um so yeah no it, it, you're absolutely right there and it's the what i loved like i started to talk about earlier with with Real estate is the fact that you get so many benefits by law from the government. They want to incentivize us to manage housing. They don't want to manage housing. So they give us these wonderful tax advantages where when you buy that house for, say, $100,000, and there's not a 100% guarantee, but there's a high probability that there's going to be a value increase of that over time, right? As long as you bought it, right? Because like Kiyosaki says, you make money when you buy, not when you sell. So you got to be smart about what you're buying. But once you buy that asset, it increases. I mean, the, the, all the properties that we purchased, you know, when I look at them now, if I went to sell them, I'd probably have at least 20 or 30% increase in only two years across the board, if not more. And I'm like, holy crap, I didn't have to work for that increase. That increase happened naturally because of inflation, because of increase in value in the area, all of those things. So automatically you're getting uh, a high probability of asset appreciation. So the value of the object is, is going up. Like when you buy a car, you buy that car for $10,000. The day you buy it, it's worth less. 
and then you use it, add miles, ding it up, all that stuff. Every day it becomes worth less. That's why it's called a liability. That's not an asset technically because it doesn't increase in value. It doesn't put money in your pocket unless you're you know, driving Uber or whatever like that. That's a different story. Point is with real estate, when you buy that asset, you buy that building, you get the whatever you paid for and then assuming long-term it'll change and go up in value uh, is the goal. So that's great there. So you buy it for 100, it's worth 200,000 in 10 years, let's say hypothetically. Yeah. That's that's fun right there. Second is you can cash flow that entire 10 years. You might make a couple hundred bucks or a couple thousand bucks a month for 10 years on that property. So, in, so you have appreciation value increase of the object itself. You have cash flow, which is great to have every single month. You know, mailbox money is great. And then you also can depreciate it. Like you mentioned, you can accelerate depreciation. You can do cost segregations to, to depreciate. And you can then make it look like legally that you aren't actually making a whole lot of money when you're still getting your cash flow, still getting the appreciation, and you're not paying as much taxes. So you're saving there too. Uh, there's just so many different levers that you can move in this thing we call real estate. That's why it is such a, uh, a beautiful vehicle for long-term sustainable wealth. So that's, again, you guys out there listening, I can't stress this enough. I worked way too hard for way too many years to learn this. I'm just turned 45. I wasn't until I was almost 43 before I started taking action on this. You know what I mean? That's the crazy part. If I would have started when this guy crossed away here, Mike started out right at 19 doing this stuff, who knows where you would be? And it was with a $7,500 investment. My point is, if you don't know, get a book, start learning, because this will change your life. This will change your life. I no longer have to think about what kind of money I'm going to spend. I don't have to worry about the bills are covered with the cash flow coming from these long-term rentals. And a you think about it, all right, the next question is going to be like, all right, yeah, but that means I got to give up one business for another business, right? I'd love for you to talk about how you're managing, uh, you know, with with partners and people helping you and, and management companies, things like that, because that was a, a that was the turning point for me is when I realized for eight to ten percent of rent proceeds that someone will manage the property 100% and I don't have anything to do with it. So can you get yeah. into that a little bit, Mike? Yeah, I'd love to. And I think that's great. I, I would say as entrepreneurs, we struggle with control <laughs> mm. a little bit, this right? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to learn to let go and hire the right people. So everyone in my team, I hire the best people and I pay probably the highest rates and I'm totally okay with it. Because I ha have a few A players that do the work of multiples of B and C players, if that makes sense. So I'd rather pay mm -hmm. them way more. They they work harder than I could ever ask for them to do. They provide so much value. Um, so like you said, so my goal right now, uh, since I'm 30 years old, is I'm in the uh, accumulation mode. I am lo actively looking for investment properties. And I actually had to teach my partner this. Um, who um, he had like 45 units by himself and he was managing themself, managing it himself. And this is so funny. We had this conversation and he's like managing it. And you know, he's like, hey, it's like 20 hours a week. It's not crazy. I'm like, yeah, but like, you know, he has three young kids. I'm like, don't you wanna hang out with them? Like, why would you do that? He's like, yeah, I don't wanna pay the fees. And just like you said, it was 8% because he mm -hmm. has so many units. It was only 8%. I was like, all right, well, what if you hired a professional management company, they increase the rates the by eight percent, the rent, and then boom, like you're break even. Like it doesn't cost you anything. That's all it is. Yep. Right. And he was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like boom. Right. That was like that that mindset shift. Um, so that's a great thing. We we have proper. I have sixty five rentals right now. 
um, mm. between Michigan and North Carolina, and we have the best property managers for each one. Um, cause that allows me to buy, cause what I'm doing is buying my time and freedom back to look for other properties, to focus on my fix and flip business, to focus on my coaching business. Cause I don't have time to chase $800 checks, you know, every single month. I need yeah. someone else to do that for me. Yep. No, hundred percent, dude. And you couldn't be writer. I know first 15 years of my, um, you know, my career in this, we, my, my wife bought a house right before we found it. We've met each other. It was a small uh, two bedroom on a little lake, probably 800 square feet, 600 square feet, something really small, little brick stone cottage. And, uh, so we eventually moved in together and then we said, Oh, we want to start a family. It's too small. So we want to go buy the house. So I was thinking, I right, would just sell this house and move on. And she's like, well, what if we, what if we rented it out? And I'm thinking like, man, nobody in my family has ever done that. Like, I don't know anything about it. I don't know a lot of people that do that stuff, but what the heck? Let's try. I mean, it's got to be easy, right, Mike? All we got to do is charge them rent and then we make more money than we spend and we make money that way, right? And I don't have to do anything with it. Just got to make sure everything's paid. So for 15 years, I was a landlord for one property. And it, if I could say that it was a love-hate relationship, that would be the nicest way to say it because there was times I liked it when I looked in the account and I had a couple thousand dollars in there. And there was times when I absolutely hated it when we were evicting people and we were in there you know, doing trash outs and we were in there repainting walls because they weren't supposed to have dogs, yet they brought them in there. And then there was stuff all over the walls and they left stuff or the place stunk or fleas. That was another nice one. Or they destroyed the carpets or blah, blah, blah down through, right? Or you're getting calls from neighbors or the ambulance is there. It's like, it, it was just, I said, not for a couple hundred bucks or maybe a couple thousand bucks at most at the end of the year. It just and so many times I wanted to sell that thing. I didn't sell it. I was lucky to get 800, 850 for this unit. And I'm like, man, what the heck? I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm just doing it for my wife at this point. And at one point, a friend of ours came to us and said, hey, you know, I have this opportunity to start buying some real estate in your area. And, uh, are you interested in going in with me? And I was like, Nope, sorry. 15 years. I want to dump this thing like a, like a bad habit, man. I just want this out of my way. And she says, all right, what if, what if I knew somebody that would be able to manage all that for you? You could own the house and a company would come in for a small percentage and they would take care of all of that. All you have to do is own the asset and they take care of finding new people that come into the house, all your renters, they screen, they get, they pay. Uh, they get paid, they pay all the utilities, they do all that stuff for you. All you have to do is own the asset and make one or two high-level decisions on things. And I said, sold, let's do this, right? And within nine months, we scaled to over 60 units, 60, uh, you know, long-term apartments, um, you know, doors, if you will. And it was incredible how fast that could happen. But my point in saying that is, there's no way that I wanted another job. And there's no way... I could handle 15 units or sorry, one unit for 15 years. I have no interest in jumping in and doing, okay, I'm going to do 60 of them myself. There's just no way that's, I hate that world. <laughs> I just want to own the asset. I don't want to deal with the headache. So I was blessed enough to find this group that takes care of all that. And for, you know, eight to 10%, they came in and took care of all those headaches. And then each month, usually around the 10th of the month, we just start getting checks coming in. <laughs> you start seeing big numbers coming in. I'm like, it's kind of fun, but I say this to everybody, not to gloat or to brag. The point is I knew nothing about this, zero. And I said, there has to be a way that I can build long-term value for my clients and my clients, long-term value for my family, a legacy, and know that being in the contracting world, the next project is not guaranteed. We just went through COVID, which was amazing for our world. Uh, 
And then if we go through some kind of economic downturn and a big recession, people stop spending on the stuff that we're doing quickly. The outdoor living spaces, the landscaping, the hardscaping, all that stuff disappears quick. It's one of the first things off the table. And I've been through 08, 09. I've been through the tough times. And I said, there has to be a way that no matter what, we have cash coming in that I don't have to worry about the entire thing falling apart, working my whole life and having nothing at the end to show for it. And that's when this started to make sense and I've just been blessed to find that person that, that helped me through and, and, and showed me the light. And that's why it was so important for me to bring Mike on here to tell you the story about how he got into this and to tell you guys out there that the most important thing is to be thinking long-term, the legacy of your family and not just thinking project to project because ultimately what's gonna happen is your body's gonna wear out. You're gonna get tired of this stuff. You're gonna get tired of your employees. You're gonna get tired of teams. You're gonna be tired of a lot of things. If at the same time as you're building your business, you can build a secondary cash flowing business like this, which requires very little hands-on uh, work or very little hands-on focus. Think about it, if you just took $10,000 or $20,000 a year and stuck it into something that would give you a couple hundred bucks a month. Imagine what would happen over 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. When you look back and you're 45 or 50 or 60 years old and you're like, I don't even care if I get anything from the government. Social Security is even there. I've already got that covered. Think about if you're that independent. How would you? How would that change your life? How would that change how you look at work when you can go out to projects because you want to, not because you have to? That's a beautiful. If you zoom out, you know it's uh, it's funny. So I don't know if it's an age thing or if I have a lot going on, but I feel like I blink and another month goes by. Do you feel like that? Yeah, you and me both, hundred percent. It's crazy. I mean you we realize like life is short you don't have time to put things off because it's just like years months and years go by um but like you said zoom out and look at you know if you had a, a, a house that's paying let's say fifteen hundred dollars a month in rent today 10 years from now you know that's probably gonna be closer to two thousand dollars a month yeah and what does that do to your cash flow because the mortgage is going to stay the same the property taxes are going to go up a little bit. Insurance is going to go up a little bit. But what's going to happen is you're going to have to now have $500 extra a month cash flow yeah. just because of inflation, right? And just because of how, how it naturally happens. And if you have 10 houses, then you're like, oh, my gosh, that's actually $5,000 a month. That's life-changing. So it's really cool. I have yeah. spreadsheets, right, for all of our – I'm sure you have them too for your apartments. And if yeah. you look on year 10 – and you kind of add them up like, wow, if I never bought another property, um, projecting what the rents will be, projecting what, you know, you see the debt goes down 10 years from now, mm -hmm. the tenants pay for it. So you're looking at, wow, my debt's gone down, my cash flow's gone up, the property value's gone up. And it's just amazing. It, it, it Just a 10-year time frame is life-changing. 100%. And I love what you said there uh, about the debt going down on the house because the liability, the mortgage, every month, is paid for by the tenant, right? When you underwrite the property, you figure vacancies and you figure, you know, CapEx, basically meaning how much you're gonna have to invest back in that building and things that are gonna go wrong. Like you figure all those in as percentages. And they're not always 100% accurate, but you get pretty close with that. At least you're planning for those things. So that as the, you know, as time goes on and to your point, the debt goes down each time, each month I get a statement comes in and says the mortgage is, you know, whatever a thousand or $2,000 less because of what was paid. I'm like, my tenants paid that. And that means that in that time frame, our net worth has gone up a thousand or two, right? And we didn't have to do anything for it besides provide the house for people to live in. I don't know about you, Mike, but I don't think 
especially with how soft people are becoming anymore. I don't think people are going to go out and live in tents and live in the woods again. Like, I don't know. I don't think things could ever be bad enough that they're going to say, you know what, this whole housing thing, that's just not going to work anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's a scam. Like, We're not doing it. It's a, it's a scam. Yeah. I'm going out. I'm going to go out and get my tent and, and my Coleman tent. I'm going to go out and live in the woods for the rest of my life and, and uh, you know, Well, they need animals. to charge like, their iPhone somewhere, so usually <laughs> in your house, so... My point is that, that, you know, housing is only going to become more and more valuable as we go because there's only so many of them. And as long as our main objective is to make sure that we have, uh, you know, we buy houses that are older and we fix them up inside to make sure we can give a beautiful space for someone to live, to, you know, to raise a family, something they can be proud of. We, you see a lot of guys out there that, that want to do, you know, just buy houses and just keep them really nasty and charge maybe lower rents or whatever and just like live in squalor. That's not, you know, our goal is to buy them, to fix them up, get people in there so they can be proud of what they come home. They work awfully hard for what they do. And they come home and be like, you know what, this is a great place to raise a family. This is a beautiful home. We've got great flooring, walls, you know, fixtures, all of that stuff so that we can really be proud of, of raising our kids in here and not just be a cheap place and end up being some flea-infested shack. So... So tell me a little bit more about your fix and flip business. That's another model, right? So you buy them and you're, you're fixing them up and flipping them out to people to yeah. buy. So tell me a little bit about that and how that worked for you. Yeah. So, um, you kind of heard I've got started in real estate. I, um, it's funny. So I started this whole thing for my dad. Um, so if, if you guys are listening, you know, landscaping and, and construction, um, he did, uh, carpentry finished carpentry work and he's putting up the mm -hmm. cabinets and the, and the trim and the base and the doors and things like that. And I saw him come home at, you know, he was in his early fifties at the time and he's gone at seven 30 in the morning, back at four 30 in the afternoon, just like plop yeah. right on the couch, like dead. And I yeah. realized too, again, like, you know, I'm like, you don't ha I'm like, he can't do this for another 15 years. Like there's no yeah. way, there's no way he can do this for another 15 years. So I started the flipping company actually for, to retire my father. Um, I set that goal awesome. out in 2017. Uh, yeah. I made him a, a deal. I said, hey, if you can make $100,000 a year, which is more than what you're making now, you only work 20 hours a week, and all you do is drive around in the projects and make sure they're going smooth. You're the project manager. He's all right, cool. I'll make this bet to this crazy kid. That's whatever. And uh, <laughs> that was in 2017. And then bless in 2019, we retired my father. He's He, he wow. shut down his trim uh, companies no longer a contract. So in two years? In yeah. two years. Yeah. Can you, can you walk us through that? I'd, I'd yeah. love for you to unpack that for the listeners because it always sounds great and it happened to Mike. He got lucky. He's part of the Lucky Sperm <laughs> Club. He happened to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah. He got some kind of deal that his grandmother had or what, like, to walk us through it, how it actually happens. Yeah. It's um, 70 hours a week getting kicked in mm -hmm. the teeth every single morning for, you know, eight years. That's the reality of it. Um, but, you know, how it worked is you slowly put together a team, you slowly put systems and processes together. So there's three issues when it comes to like flipping houses. One, you need a, a discounted house, a house that you can buy at a discount so you can renovate it and then flip it for a profit. And then mm -hmm. two is money. Once you buy it, like how do you buy this thing, right? You're gonna run out of money in, unless you're Warren Buffett, then you can just self-fund it. Um, and then three is renovating the properties. Um, how to accurately do that. So there, there's a lot I could talk about this flipping business for, for days. Right. Um, but how it started is, um, you know, we started one house at a time then went to two and then we went to four houses and just kind of gradually did it. And you learn along the way. Um, I highly recommend putting systems and processes in place. Um, 
so that you're not guessing because you don't want this to be a guessing game because you know successful businesses aren't built on guessing it's built on predictability and scalability mm -hmm. um so what i did and i spent thousands of hours and tens of thousands of dollars putting this together but it it really runs my business is i call it a standardized pricing sheet for all 350 items uh that we order for a house the cabinets, the doors, the trim, the LVP flooring, the paint, everything broken down for the material and the labor list. Um, so we just fill it out and we know exactly like to 90% accuracy how much it's gonna cost us to renovate the house before we even purchase the house. So mm. then we can accurately go in and say, all right, we're buying it for 100. Our sheet says we should be around 40,000 and it's worth about 200,000. So we got a $60,000 cushion and this will be closing costs and holding costs. We should make about 45,000 bucks. And that's typically like the type of houses that we buy. I love that dude. It's, and I like how you unpack that too, you know, and, and if you don't have the cash, there is the opportunity to ask a family member, can I borrow with interest a loan for a certain amount of time? You can find hard money lenders, somebody who says, yeah, for whatever, some absorbent amount of money, probably like 10, 12, 15%, we can lend you the money short term, but that might sound crazy. But if you think about it over the, the length or the life of that asset, it's nothing upfront. If you can acquire and hold that asset, that, that house, do the flip within six months, get it back out and pay a couple of thousand dollars for money that you didn't have to pull out of your pocket. That's a no brainer, dude. <laughs> that is a no brainer. Yeah, don't don't get caught up. I did in the beginning. Don't get caught up on like the hard. That's what we use, like hard money lending at first. Um, don't get caught on their interest rates, like 14 percent. You're like, oh my god, it's crazy. You're gonna have the house for four or five months. You break it down, it's a couple thousand. I, I actually I teach this example. We bought this house, uh, we fixed it, we flipped it, we made sixty five thousand, and I paid the hard money lender forty five hundred bucks. So I'm like, would you trade? four thousand five hundred dollars for the opportunity to make sixty five thousand dollars because otherwise i wouldn't be able be able to have done this opportunity right it's just like yeah. it's like it, it's awesome so um and if you don't mind i have a gift for your listeners as well if you're interested in fixing and flipping houses i have a free resource um a free website you can go to it's a 20 minute video of me how of showing you how we made $55,000 on a house, how we found the house, how we renovated the property. I show you my standardized pricing sheet, how I work that and how we made 55,000 on the house. Um, so Absolutely, man. What how do they find it? Yeah, so that website is 55kdeal.com. So that's how much we made on the house, 55k. So 55kdeal.com. Go there, check out the uh, video and uh, I think it's just, it's a great resource for, uh, if you are interested in fixing and flipping houses. And then if you don't mind, if I share the story real quick, cause I don't know how much time we have, but of how I bought an 11 unit apartment building with no money. Cause I think that will be very, when I tell this story, a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, it, it just unlocks something um, that they didn't realize was possible. Please. Yeah. I mean, I, that's my list here. It was my next question for you before we wrap up here is like, tell me about the 11 unit deal. With no money. I, I want to hear how you did it. Perfect. So this is, um, like Joshua was saying, you know, how you can leverage money from, you know, grandma, friends, family, other investors, right. And, and experience too. So at this point in my life, I probably flipped like 40 houses. Um, but I didn't own any multifamily and I was scared. Like it was kind of funny looking back, like, you know, because you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but what I did is I, another investor had this property under contract. 
um, and I want to say for like $320,000, 11 units up in Michigan. Um, and it was, looked like a crack building, like a crack house building. Like the two bedrooms are going for 500 bucks a month. Out of 11 units, I think four were paying and the rest were just squatting. And, you know, mm. it's just like not a I, good I site. smell opportunity, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you smell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's it. That's why I smell too. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a lot of hard work sometimes. But yeah. so here's the cool thing. I found this investor had this deal. He's like, hey, Mike, I'm trying to wholesale this thing, which means find another investor who's willing to buy it. And he's going to try to make, I think, like $40,000 by selling it to another investor. I said, okay. And I'm like, well, I know someone who owns apartment buildings already. He owns like 40 units and maybe he'd be interested in this. And then I go up to him, I'm like, hey, Adam, uh, here's this deal it's for 340,000 bucks. I think, th okay, let's say 360, I paid for it. 360,000, you know, we gotta renovate all the units about Let's say it came out to $200,000. We got to do the parking lots, the roof, the windows, all the interiors, cabinets, doors, floors, everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right, so 365 plus 200 is 565,000. But looking at the market and looking at what the rents could be, a thousand bucks a month each, this property should be worth about a million dollars. So it's gonna mm -hmm. be about $500,000 in equity, just under 500,000 equity. Would you be interested in this deal? And he's like, yes, I would totally be interested in this deal. <laughs> so what we did is we actually got some seller financing terms from the seller. And we told the seller like, hey, this property is in such bad shape. I can't go get a bank mortgage. And there's only three units out of 11 units paying. No bank wants to lend on this. He's like, yeah, you're right. I'm like, give us, um, you know, we'll do this within two years, but give us two year time frame to buy it, renovate it. And then we're going to refinance it and get you out of it. So, okay, cool. So now I have my partner, Adam, on the deal who put the down payment for the property and funded the entire rehab of $200,000. I managed the renovations. Um, we just finished them uh, last year. We completely uh, renovated roof, windows, doors, trim. Now the, the same units are going for $1,100 per month for the two bedrooms. Wow. Nice. So, so that brings in just... And then there's one bedroom. So now we're grossing $10,500 per month from this property. Mm -hmm. It's worth now close to a million. We refinanced the, um, got our, my investor Adams capital out of the deal and we paid off the seller. So now we own this brand new property, roof, windows, you know, all new interiors with mm -hmm. no one's money into the deal. It's spitting out $10,500 a month, professionally managed. And we're cash flowing about $3,500 a month after all expenses with no money into the deal. And that adds a couple hundred thousand dollars to my net worth as well. Dude, that's, that's a sick deal. I love hearing stories like that. So good. And for people listening, you know, seller finance is basically asking the owner of the property, Hey, will you hold the, the note? Will you hold the loan? And I'll pay you interest on, I'll pay, you build some kind of terms into it for a certain time frame so that you can get all this stuff done. And at the end, then you can say, okay, now it's a better property. There's a better value to it. And the bank will actually look at it. But in that time, they've had only the rehab side of things. So then they get it all back at the end plus. And when you end up with that asset at $500,000 in, in a million dollar valuation, that's just, that's a sick deal. <laughs> yeah. And you don't need, and that's the beautiful thing. You don't need too many of those to change your life. Yeah. 
dude, it's, I love that. I love that story. And you're exactly right. I remember going on a Facebook marketplace, looking for deals, right? You never think going to Facebook, like who else sells houses? People sell houses on Facebook marketplace. I went on in one weekend. I bought two houses. One was priced for 50, they wanted 55,000 for end of row, five bedroom and a little town up here where I'm at. And I said, hmm, that actually should be closer to 70. And they just want to get out of it, right? Mm-hmm. They were just like, I want to get out of this deal. So I ended up negotiating them down to 50, needed nothing turnkey. They mm-hmm. were barely able to get um, $500 a month when they were renting it out, five, $600 a month. They were trying to get to 1%, right? They were just trying to make that happen. I got it, brought it into the management company. We immediately started renting it out without another dollar into it for like 1200 bucks a month. Whoa. That's right. Incredible. So I'm like, you talk about opportunity, right? Another guy, I'll never forget it. We went to closing and it was uh, it's a single unit and it was like a three bedroom single unit. I think we paid like 60 grand for it. And the, uh, the guy I went into closing with, he's like, man, I'm telling you right now, you know, I struggled for years. I self, uh, you know, I've self-managed this thing. It's a pain in the ass. I just hope you can do something with it. I couldn't get more than about six, 700 bucks a month for this thing. And, uh, so I had walked, I don't know, walked down, used the bathroom during closing and my management company knew I was buying it and they called, they said, did you buy that place yet? I said, yeah, I'm in the process of it. He goes, I got a guy right now that wants to pay 1200 for it. <laughs> it was turnkey. Before was like, you closed? <laughs> before oh I closed, dude. So I, after we saw, after we signed That's the papers, one. Mike, right. Okay. I said to the guy, he's like, uh, yeah, man, I hope you can do well. I said, I've already got a guy that wants to pay double. <laughs> That's cold heart. Yeah, I would have been like, I'll try, you know, <laughs> I don't want to break his heart. <laughs> my, my point is not to be a pain in the ass. But yeah. I'm trying to be, you know, gloatful about this. But the point is that oftentimes if you're self-managing or that's the, the path you want to take, you don't see the deals. Even that first house that we had, my wife's first house when we, that we uh, moved out of, uh, we struggled to get 850 a month out of that, that building. And as soon as I had the management company, I said, I'm done with this. Like management company came into my life. I'm like, you take it, have fun. I'll give you, gladly give you 8%. And they came in and we started looking at what the values are in the area. The average was 1200. I was at 850. I didn't even know because I didn't know what I didn't know. And when I looked around and I'm like, holy crap, all the rent in our area is 12 to $1,500. And this house is an independent house. I said, we can at least get 12. Now we're up to like 1250 on that building. And I I thought 8% was going to be a problem. I'm like, wait a minute here. So if yeah. 850 was my standard, I'm getting 1250 now. That's not 8%, dude. <laughs> I'm making tons more because I decided to hire somebody who knew what the hell they were doing. And now, you know how much I get, how much I actually have to think about that house? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. They do all of it. I just see the checks come in. So my point is, out there, you guys out there listening, if you're, you know, every week battling project to project, just figuring out how the hell you're going to pay bills. I offer you the opportunity or the challenge to just start socking a little bit of cash away. You don't need a ton to get started in this. And over time, like snow, it accumulates. And pretty soon that 200 a month turns into 400 a month, turns into 600 a month, turns into 800 a month, pretty soon it's 1,000 a month, pretty soon it's 5,000 a month, pretty soon it's 10,000 a month. And in America, if you're getting 10,000 passive income a month, you can live pretty damn good. If you know you want to work then and do more stuff, you can, but it's like the nuts covered. Your bills are covered depending on your lifestyle, of course. Yeah. And that can just keep expanding. I mean, you, there's no, there's no limit to that. Once you understand how to play this game, it is the most beautiful thing ever. So if you want to learn how to do this, just kind of on your own passively, go get that game. I mentioned that Kiyosaki put out, it's called cash flow. You'll find that on Amazon. Um, or you can reach out to, uh, to Mike. So Mike, tell us about how we can reach out to you and how you could help us. Yeah. Um, appreciate you throwing it back to me. So 
you know, how you can reach out to me is go to that 55kdeal.com website. Um, mm-hmm. Once underneath the video, there's a free Facebook group called the Real Estate Wealth Builders. You can click on that. I'm in there every day posting and I make free content. I actually just did a, a live Ask Me Anything right before this podcast into the group. And I'm like, hey, any questions? Ask me anything, right? So my goal is to help just add value to everyone inside that group. And um, depends on when this podcast airs but once a month which is starting next week uh we do a free three-day event where i show you how to find deals how to uh, fund your deals a dozen different ways how you can finance just one deal and then how to uh, renovate a property as well so it's uh, an hour each day it's a free three-day event everyone loves it and it's really cool i get to share some really cool stories like that 11 unit and all these different things that help you know just unlock of what's possible um and uh, yeah, those are the best ways to get a hold of me. Go to that link, uh, click on there, go to the Facebook. I'm in there posting every day. My name is Mike Menino. I'm in there, and um, yeah, that's the best way to get a hold of me. I love it, Mike, and I love that you're you're now in the process of you know in your early 30s here, wanting to share. You know, saying, "Look, I learned how to do this. I see how much impact it's done for my life. I now want to help others get there too." And it's just nothing more admirable and and exciting than being able to share and give back. So I appreciate all that you're doing. Anything else you want to leave our guests with before we wrap up? Um, yeah, you know, when you said to share and help others, um, there's kind of two things I just want to say is, you know, whatever goals you have um, or make your goals about someone else other than yourself. Um, so like my original goal is to retire my father, for him to make 100000 mm-hmm. not have to work. If my goal was to, for me to make 100000 like, that's a great goal. Like, if I would have achieved it, like, yay, you know, good for me. But it's a lot more impactful. And I worked probably a lot harder, woke up earlier, um, you know, worked more diligent, worked later, and did what I needed to do so I could help someone else. Uh, now I always do that in my in my business. So Olivia, who runs my business, for the last two years, she's made over six figures running my businesses. Like, she's my office manager. And that's my goal for her every year is to make six figures. So I have to do whatever it takes so that she can make six figures, if that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my goals for my students, like I've helped a handful of students make a million dollars and I've helped dozens make hundreds of thousands of dollars and I've helped three people uh, quit their job and become full-time real estate investors. Like, So my goal is to always help others. And then when doing that, all like rising tides lift all ships and we all uh, benefit from that. I love that, dude. I love it. And you're right. When you start, when your mission becomes about service, service to others, that's when everything shifts. You know, you, if you can help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want. It's not the other way around. Right. And once you realize that and you have that, that, that service mindset, and I love how you've, you know, focused on in the beginning, you know, retiring your father. That's just such a great, such a great piece there. And I'm sure he appreciates that for sure. And it feels good, doesn't it? To be able to do that. It's better than any house or car I could buy. Yeah, that's incredible, dude. I love it. So listeners out there, if you've always thought about it, it'd be nice to have a second income coming in, one that you don't have to put a lot of time into, I would highly recommend thinking about real estate. And maybe you think, oh, it's not going to work in my area. Because if you've got houses around, there's a high probability you can find something that'll work in your area. I mean, it might not be the best time, or maybe it is the best time. It really depends on when you're out there, what kind of deal you're going to find. And you just have to be open to that idea. And maybe you're not ready to do it yet, but hop over to that 55kdeal.com. Take a look at what Mike's got going on over there. And you know what? Worst case, you might learn something, right? 
So Mike, thank you for coming on today. Uh, I hope the listeners take advantage of all the stuff we've talked about today and think that, you know, if this guy from the cornfields of Pennsylvania can figure this out with zero background in real estate and Mike can figure that out from, you know, just wanting to get out of his parents' house and working at McDonald's, you can too. That's what were our big messages for you guys today. So thank you for coming on, Mike. And listeners, we'll see you next week. 